This paid program may not represent the views of Hubbard Broadcasting Incorporated or Federal News Network. Statements and opinions of this broadcast are solely those of individual contributors or advertisers as indicated. Federal News Network does not take responsibility for the statements or opinions and accepts no responsibility or liability for any inaccuracy, errors, or omissions reported during this program. Welcome to Executive Leaders Radio. In this hour, you'll hear directly from our region's finest business leaders. Through each of the interviews, these high-achieving leaders become relatable role models who share how they were able to build their enterprise, their personal secrets of success, about leadership styles and opportunities that lie ahead. Prepare to be inspired and entertained and to hear wisdom unheard elsewhere. Executive Leaders Radio. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio, broadcasting from Radio America. This is your host, Les Smolin at Vistage International with my co-host, Andrew Howard, Howard Insurance, Kate Perrin, Professional Solutions, and Rachel Everett, Viderity. We have a great lineup of guests for you on our show today, including Brent Leitner, founder and CEO of Teodi Creative. We have Nick Freshman, founder and managing member at Mother Source Partners. We have Greg Gershman, co-founder and CEO at Ad Hoc, and Max and Carla Brand, president and CEO and executive vice president of business operations at the Capital Brand Group. Uh, first up, we've got Brent Leitner, founder and CEO of Teodi Creative. Brent, what is Teodi Creative? Teodi is a full-service creative agency. We do lots of web, digital, marketing, brand content, Basically, whatever your whatever your needs are as an organization, our goal is to drive those forward. And how big or small is this company? We just passed 50 people, and uh, we've made the Inc. 5000 list for the past four years in a row. So and how did you get a job there? I actually started this company out of a college dorm room back in the late 90s. Uh, and where was this that you grew up in college? I was born and raised in Altoona, Pennsylvania, and uh, went to college in Juniata, not far from it, in central Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. You got any brothers and sisters? My brother Kevin is about just under two years younger than I am. And what were mom and dad doing? Mom was a high school English teacher, and my dad ran the food service program at the Altoona Votech. Was mom an English teacher at the high school you went to? No, uh, Spring Cove Central School District. And dad Close was by, though. We competed against them. And dad was uh, a food, uh, with a, he ran a food service program? Yeah, all the school lunches and associated uh, but, you know, food But not service. necessarily at your school? No, correct. Okay. Also a competing school. Also a competing <laughs> school. We're, we're going to hear that theme show up, I suspect. All right, who's got the next question? Brent, you spoke in the green room how you learned how to apply resourcefulness and grit in childhood. How did you learn those qualities, and how do you apply them today? So when I was about 12 or 13, my mom got a, an opportunity to teach in Japan, and it wasn't quite that simple. She was trying to teach me not to always do things that I needed to win. And so to prove a point, she applied, but it didn't work out. She actually got the job. And so my whole family kind of went into to Japan for a year with her. Go ahead. That's remarkable. Your whole family. So your dad left his job? My dad took a leave of absence for a while. My brother and I just basically skipped a year of school and enrolled in a Japanese school. But and then my mom actually taught school over there as part of an exchange teacher type of program. And we very much adopted the, you know, the Japanese culture and lifestyle. We didn't stay on some American base or something of that nature. And so everything we did had to be figured out kind of the hard way. We didn't speak the language, and that's where the resourcefulness comes in. I mean, we had to kind of figure out how we were going to get by, try to make sense of a language we didn't understand, and everything was more of a challenge. But, you know, we made it through, and we had a good time doing it. 
it is a dramatically different culture and food, um, everything there. But your whole family went as a team, I guess. Did you feel you had each other to rely on? Yeah, and the the Japanese family culture is very tight to begin with, but because we were outsiders, the Japanese term is gaijin, um, we were we were well-liked. We had lots of friends, but we were always on the outside. And so we became uh, a much tighter family, especially given the language and cultural differences. Uh, we really had to rely on each other to do everything from, from fun to getting by to, you know, shopping was an ordeal, all of all of just daily life things that we take for granted. You did those things together? Yeah, everything was pretty much together because we we were the only people we knew and we had friends but we didn't speak the same language that, you know, their English wasn't great. We had no Japanese and we had to uh, you know, do it as a team. So what is it about you and perhaps your family that basically enabled you to I don't want to call it thrive or survive, but to kind of to make it there when others might have said, are you kidding me? Why would we do this? There is a, an adaptability and a scrappiness to really the whole family's mentality of, of approaching life. You know, we're, we're adventurous. We like the unknown. We like to jump into things and figure them out. And even when there's not necessarily a, a clear path forward and we don't know how it's going to p- play out, we, we like to see how it's going to go. What was what is it about mom that basically fed into that? I mean, what what, would, what did she bring that actually reflected that kind of thinking? Mom is the adventurer of the team. She likes the unknown. She likes to try new things. She's a never say no kind of woman that is always up for a new adventure. And, and what part of her do you take and use today? Well, especially as a as an English teacher, I mean, she she brings a lot of the culture, the arts, the creative, and that kind of adventurous spirit that you know, has allowed me to pretty much say yes to anything and not worry about whether or not I've got any experience or knowledge of how it's going to play out. Really? Absolutely. Hmm. What about that? Dad's got the work ethic. He's king of the cliches, uh, you know, the whole nine yards, fake it till you make it. If you've got time to lean, you've got time to clean. Uh, he's, <laughs> he's very much a, a believer in hard work and uh, a good old-fashioned work ethic. And as a result, so am I. I still believe that hard work goes a whole long way to making things happen. Great. Andrew, what do you got? In the early days of the internet, what was your first job? I actually managed to find a Costa Rican dive company that was looking for business cards on some bulletin board system before there was web browsers. And, um, you know, I had no experience building or creating business cards, but I figured I could do this. So I designed them and whatever the software was back then, printed them out on an inkjet printer, had my parents running to a Walmart or whatever it was back then to pick up ink. And I cut them out with scissors, spray painted them with uh, with hairspray to kind of waterproof them, packaged them up, and shipped them to Costa Rica. Then had my dad go cash the traveler's checks this so I could get paid. Theme of uh, fake it till you make it from you know the time in Japan and uh, figuring out things that you didn't know how to do, but said I'm going to figure it out. Um, how does that apply to your work today with Toyota? We like to use the the term scrappy and hustle a lot. There's all of our clients have finite resources and bigger wish lists than they have the capacity to sometimes chew on. But that's our job. You know, we have to figure out creative solutions and, and make things happen even under imperfect circumstances and limited resources. And that's what we do. Rachel, what are you thinking? I think that that's amazing that you started a business so young. Did you always have the entrepreneurial spirit even before then? And did you learn that from anyone else in your life? It was really a a means to an end. I did not have any intention of creating a business or or going out to start a new thing. I started 
basically these side hustles as a means to pay for school and, and get through school and they just took on a life of their own and so one success led to another i'd leverage one thing to the next gig and by the time i got through college it was a legitimate business to the point where I thought maybe I'd make a go at this. So I, I basically decided to pass up a, a medical career and run run a web development company for full time at that point, much to my parents' dismay. So they had expectations, what, you'd be a, a man of, of medicine? That was the plan. And like I said, I went the whole way through the process up to and including getting accepted to Tulane Medical, actually. But I decided at that point it was time to make a go of this web thing because I thought I might stick around. Mind you, this is you know, very late 90s. And so um, mom and dad weren't so sure, but, you know, a couple years ago, they decided that maybe this thing's legit and it worked out. Plus, brother became a doctor, so they got their doctor son. Uh, uh. <laughs> so you have some kind of special relationship with your brother? Growing up, we were always kind of at odds with each other, but um, now he's my best friend. In fact, I just got back from visiting him in New York last week and we had a great time. We were as close as can be at this point. When you were growing uh, up, though, um, and you were 12 years old when you moved to Japan? Around that time, yeah. Did you have any responsibility for taking care of him, or you were all on your own, but you were all scrappers? Well, we, you know, we were the only two Americans in a school full of nothing but Japanese students, and we didn't know their language. They didn't know ours, and so even though we were in different classes during recesses or lunch or whenever we could, you know, we had to become a team because, if nothing else, we were the only two who could really communicate with each other. What did that teach you about? I've always been a big believer in teamwork. And, you know, the family's a team, the company's a team, but, you know, we can do more together than either one of us can do individually. And even to this day, we function that way. Do you believe that? Absolutely. I love that your your experiences uh, and your business combine very different qualities. You've got to have the technology. You've got to understand all of the tools. But you also have to have an amazing sense of design and how all of that feeds in. Um, where do you think you've got those kinds of very disparate experiences, skills, and interests? It, it really comes down to getting things done. It, back to those, that kind of hustle where, you know, one way or another, come hell or high water, we need to accomplish whatever it is we're trying to accomplish to get, get to the next level, if you will. And so it doesn't really matter what the tools are. Not that it doesn't matter, but that's not the driving point. It's not about the technology. It's not about the creative. These are the tools in our toolbox. And whether that's, you know, personal situations, life situations, or, you know, company situations, figuring out how to move the needles, we like to say, is really what we get paid for. And that's that's what drives me personally as well. Hey, Brent, what's the website? Taoti.com, T-A-O-T-I. We've been speaking with Brent Leitner, founder and CEO of Teoti Creative. Uh, don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com, to learn more about our executive leaders. We'll be back in a moment right after this business spotlight. Hi, this is Sherry from Hummingbird Market in Tucson, Arizona. I have some great news for those of you who like hummingbirds. Hummingbirds are the most loved and easily fed birds in the United States. Attracting these flying jewels into your yard is accomplished by using the proper nectar and feeders available from Hummingbird Market. Hummingbird Market has revolutionized hummingbird nutrition. We scientifically formulate hummingbird nectar made with all-natural plant sugars that most closely replicate nectar from Mother Nature's flowers. It hydrates and energizes the hummingbird with the essential sugar-blended nutrients it requires for proper nutrition, which keeps them coming back to your yard. Hummingbird Market is your preferred source for hummingbird-approved feeders, nectar, and accessories. 
Disconnect from your technology, gadgets, and daily obligations and discover the natural beauty of hummingbirds. And your name is? Jeff Lawson. And Jeff, what organization are you with? I'm with Lakota Hotels and Resorts. And what do you guys do? What kind of stuff are you doing that's special? Well, we manage uh, conference centers and hotels, and we're currently managing the National Conference Center in Leesburg, Virginia. National Conference Center. How large or how small is this organization? Um, the conference center itself is 900 rooms in size, 350,000 square feet of meeting space, dining facilities for 850, uh, exercise facility all set on 61 acres of land. Wow, this is a large organization, isn't it? It is, very large. Uh-huh. And what's your role in the organization? I'm the general manager, and I have oversight of the uh, property and all the hospitality services that occur. Well, what's the general manager supposed to do with this large facility? Make sure I have a, make sure eight executive community members and a, and a full uh, staff of 210 do their daily jobs. So how many folks do you have running through your halls on a weekly basis or daily basis or annual basis? What's that look like? Well, on a weekly basis on a full house, we'll have uh, 900 per night, um, seven nights, uh, 6,300, which translates to about 20,000 meals a week. Wow. And uh, your job, are you working nine to five or do you end up having to work evenings and early mornings and weekends and stuff like that? No, I'd say I'm always on duty. Uh-huh. Do you, wh- what do you enjoy about your job? Meeting people, working with some of the finest hospitality people in Virginia, which is my team, and meeting our clients because they're wonderful. So you're helping your clients plan their events? Well, we help plan. Uh, they are there for some form of education that goes on at one end of our business, and at the other end of our business, they're there for social catering events, uh, weddings, and such. So you're, you're well, you're running a twenty-four by seven facility, aren't you? We are. Uh huh. What's the website address of this organization? Conferencecenter.com. Let me have that again. Conferencecenter.com. And your name again is Jeff Lawson. And the name of the organization? Lakota Hotels and Resorts. And this has been your business spotlight. We're back and you're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Les Smolin, and it's my pleasure to introduce you to our next guest, Nick Freshman, founder and managing member of Mother Sauce Partners. Nick, what is Mother Sauce Partners? We are a small scale, early stage venture capital and advisory firm and we work with food and drink concepts so some restaurants some non-restaurants but something that some way touches food and drink is what we do and what, what's your role there uh, i'm the founder i started the company about three years ago uh, so what were you thinking when you were starting this company I was thinking that I've spent my whole career in the restaurant business and I've seen countless entrepreneurs unable to get their concepts off the ground for various reasons. Mm-hmm. Lack of access to capital, but also lack of the skill set required to transition from being a leader to being an owner. And I felt like we had some of the skills to offer and we had some capital and it seemed like we could make something. You said we, meaning. I say we to make it sound like we're a much bigger company than we really are. But, but you do uh, have a partner. We, we, I do have a, I have a partner and I have a small team that I work with, but we're, we're, there's about five or six of us. Okay. Um, and and uh, where'd you grow up? I grew up in Washington, D.C. in a the native. area. Yeah, I am a native to D.C. Okay. And what were ma- mom and dad doing? Uh, my mom stayed at home with my brother and I and was uh, a volunteer in the community, and my father was and is a lobbyist. Okay, I'm sure we'll learn more about that. And uh, you have any brothers or sisters? I do have a younger brother, Ben, who is two years younger than me. All right. Um, Andrew, you got a question? What sports did you play growing up? Uh, I played a lot of sports growing up, but uh, ended up concentrating in basketball. 
which uh, you played through college, correct? I did. I played uh, halfway through college. And what position did you play? I was a small forward or a three, as they call it. For the uh, the audience and those watching, um, tell us about small forward and, and what you bring to the team. The small forward is uh, sort of a, a tweener. So the forwards tend to be the bigger guys, the guards tend to be the smaller guys, and the small forward is sort of in between the two. Uh, sometimes not big enough to, to be inside, not quick enough to be on the outside, but somehow able to contribute, which is, I like to think what I, what I did. And do you see the correlation or do you believe there is to how you go about your work today at Mother Sauce? Yeah, I think that there's a, there's a, I mean, sports in general, I think basketball in particular, there's a tremendous amount of, um, improvisation that goes on and, and you have to be adaptable. You have to change quickly and and the uniqueness of sport does that but also the uniqueness of uh, the position I played you you kind of have to be able to do everything and and in any given day that that is that is basically what I have to do a little bit of everything hmm. what are you thinking uh, Kate well tell me a little bit more about dad dad's role was a lobbyist um, did he interact with you and your brother much or was he always out and busy uh, I, my dad was around a lot. Um, we, he, he came to Washington. He, he grew up here and sort of didn't grow up here, but he sort of landed here to start his career. And like many started, uh, in politics and transitioned and, and ended up starting his own businesses, um, and became an expert in certain subject matters and became a lobbyist and, and was a, just sort of a, a pivotal, pivotal person in my life, uh, growing up. What did, what did you two together? We did a lot together, um, but you know, a lot of my earliest memories are tagging along with him to lunches and dinners all across Washington and spending a lot of time in restaurants, uh, sometimes a little bit of time in bars, um, and all over. And you liked that? I loved it. Um, it was a it, it was one of those moments where at the time you don't realize how critical it is but but it had a tremendous influence in what I was going to do because not because I wanted to be a lobbyist or a lawyer but because I just wanted to be in restaurants more and I didn't know why and I didn't know how I would do it I just knew that that was where I felt most at home very early on and was one of those early signals that I think a lot of us get and don't really listen to uh, until later Uh, so it's really only looking back that I see how influential that was for me in those early days, just being in restaurants. What, what do you mean? There was this vibe you say you pick up? Yeah, I think that th- there's a lot more to a restaurant than than, than what's on the menu. Um, and I think that these, if you're able to create a successful restaurant or a bar or a coffee shop, there's a, there's a elements to it that are everything from the food to the music to the lights to the collection of people a lot of it is heavily curated for a reason and if you do it right you you're able to create a vibe and an energy that i think is very palpable um and did you know that that's what you wanted to create no i knew that i wanted to be in a space like that and the only way to be in this business and be successful and make it is to start creating them in the green room, you mentioned that some of the investors in your company today were previous role models. Can you tell us how you identified them in your career and what you learned from them? I found my role models by spending a lot of time with people that were not role models. Um, I, I think I spent a lot of my early years, college, 
um, in sports, having bad coaches, um, in business, having bad bosses. I, I really struggled to find role models, people I wanted to emulate. Um, so when I did, I sort of just tried to latch on and latch on tight. And when I decided I wanted to be in this business, I tried to find people that were doing things right um, and that had created not only successful businesses, but were also sort of happy with their life. And, and when I found them, I, I really wanted to sort of latch on and see what I could learn. And some of those mentors are still with me today. They're investors in my company and, and resources that I continue to draw upon. And that's now what, what I'm trying to be. You, though? That would I'm have sorry? Said, what did they see in you that basically said, I'll, I'll take this young person on? Well, I, would, I mean, I'm willing to do anything. You know, I think that that's part of it. I, I think I have a, a strong work ethic. And, and once I decided that this was what I wanted to do, I needed to figure out how to do that. And I think that that displays as a as a willingness to work very hard and, and, and to listen. I think I'm a, a, a listener and a learner. Uh, just curious to know, uh, with the role models, how did you engage with them? I know a lot of people, as they start a new business, are trying to figure out how to meet a mentor role model, how to walk up to them, what to say. Um, how did you form those relationships and then further develop them over time? Um, I was humble. I think my earliest role model and mentor um, was a chef, uh, classically trained, and I was not. And so I tried to just be in the same space without presuming that I knew anything um, and try to listen a lot more than I talk. And when I am taught something, learn it and then just sort of never presume that I that I knew more than I did. And, I, you know, I think that that's critical when you're in a space that you don't know, I think you need to sort of take in as much as you can and then learn as fast as you can. And I think my, my, one of my greatest early mentors, I was able to really do that. And, and we were able to, to form a pretty great partnership. Who, do, who did you, who were you emulating at that point? Um, you know, because normally uh, at that stage, y you might be asking a lot more questions or you might be thinking, you know, a whole lot more than you do. So, was there somebody who basically said, if you really want to understand something, you got to ask a lot of questions or just absorb what it is that someone else has to give? Yeah. I mean, I think that in, in some ways I, I struggled early on to mold myself into sort of that, like, what, what, you know, my, my talker, my leader, my listener, my follower, what, what, what do I kind of do? And, and I think that I inherently felt like I had good leadership qualities, but I think that you know, maybe I had a little bit of wisdom enough to know that I didn't, I didn't really know enough to do that. And I think that, again, a lot of my modeling was watching what people were doing wrong. Okay. Uh, and real quickly, we got time for one question. What is it about mom that you actually carry with you today and use? Grit. What do you mean? I, my mom is tough. My mom grew up uh, in a, with a single mother in downtown Chicago in the 40s and 50s and got herself into Northwestern and then got herself to D.C. and, and went on to, to do some very, very extraordinary things. And she's 77 years old and just got back from Kenya. Um, she's pretty tough today, and she was tough back then, and I hope I got some of that. Uh, we've been talking with uh, Nick Freshman, founding, man, founding, founder and managing partner of Mother Sauce Partners. 
Uh, don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com, to learn more about executive leaders. Nick, what's the website address for uh, Mother Sauce? Mothersaucepartners.com. And we'll be back right after this break. Want to help building your business with help from this show's CEOs? Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues. Because our CEOs have been there and done that. They've succeeded in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. The same CEOs you've heard on this show for 10 years may be willing to help you build your business, uncover new opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that, succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars, and some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. And your name is? Ramon Parker. And Ramon, the name of the organization? Loudon Free Clinic. And you were telling me there's some, something special about the Loudon Free Clinic where every dollar that goes in does something else. What was that all about? Yeah, it does something magical. So for every dollar that's donated to our clinic, we can deliver $8 worth of care. And what kind of clinic is this? Who are, you, who are you helping out? What kind of stuff do you guys do? So we're helping out those who are 18 to 64 who are uninsured and low income, 200% or below the federal poverty level. And give me this thing about the math again. Give me how that works. So essentially, I have a, a staff of 12 individuals and 128 volunteers. So with that kind of payer mix, I'm able to deliver, you know, anywhere from $8 uh, in care for our patients. Because you've been able to enroll the support of so many volunteers, you're actually keeping the cost of health care down, and therefore multiplying the dollars. And making one of it one of the best business investments for private corporations who want to invest. And didn't, ah, interesting. So private businesses and individuals can get involved. And didn't you Absolutely. tell me you had a couple of health care challenges yourself? What were they? I have. I've had four open heart surgeries, and mm -hmm. it helps me to understand what patients need. What are you talking about? What do you mean? So the idea of having been on the table or being a patient, I'm able to take a patient focus in how we deliver care differently than most people would. What did you, what did you learn from those experiences personally? What do you appreciate that most of us don't? I appreciate consistency. Um, I think that a, a staff at the hospital, nurses, providers, mm -hmm. parents, mm -hmm. family, all those people consistently being around me and consistently offering me hope. Uh, I'm so full of it that I have to offer that to the patients and to the staff when I'm working with them. What's the website address for the Loudon Free Clinic? Loudonfreeclinic.org. Let me have that one more time. L-O-U-D-O-U-N freeclinic.org. We've been speaking with your name again? Ramon Parker. And this has been your business spotlight. Thank you. We're back. And you're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. It's my pleasure to introduce you to our next guest. We have Greg Gershman, and he's co-founder and CEO at Ad Hoc. Greg, what's Ad Hoc? Uh, Ad Hoc is a company we build uh, digital services. We work with government agencies anytime they uh, provide some kind of online service to uh, provide something to people. We help them out uh, delivering that. And how big or small is this company? Uh, we are about 230 people. We've got, uh, we're a virtual company. We have employees in 40 different states in the District of Columbia. And uh, how'd you get a job there? Uh, I founded the company in 2014. What, what do you mean you founded the company in 2014? Uh, well, I, I, had, uh, I had 
just uh, come out of, uh, so there was a, a website that the government launched called healthcare.gov, um, it was in the news. Uh, it, the launch didn't go very well, uh, so the White House uh, put together a team of software developers and technologists to go in and fix the website. Um, so I was a part of that team. Hmm. Coming out of that, I uh, met my uh, to-be business partner uh, during, that, uh, during that time, uh, and we came out thinking, you know, hey, there's a different way we could do this from what we had seen uh, on okay. the inside, and we made a company to do that. So you have a partner in your business as well. Yep. Great. And where'd you grow up? I grew up in uh, Gaithersburg, Maryland, what's now called North Potomac. Uh-huh. Brothers and sisters, any? I have a younger brother. Makes you the oldest, huh? Yes. Uh, and mom and dad, what were they doing? Uh, my mother's a speech-language pathologist, worked with children. Uh, my father uh, has uh, had his own business. Uh, he just retired. Uh, he ran a solid waste management consulting company. Did you learn anything from them? Uh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, I you know, certainly uh, saw from my father uh, you know, what it took to, uh, to run a business. Uh, he was always traveling a lot um, and uh, you know, doing whatever he needed to do to make the business successful. Um, but at the same time, he was always, you know, always home. Uh, he was my baseball coach. He was always around for, for family stuff. So I think I learned um, uh, a lot about, you know, what it takes, uh, the dedication it takes to make a business successful, but also uh, to make room for the important things in life. All right. Rachel, what do you want to cover there? Leading a business in the technology industry, I'm sure you manage a lot of software application projects. I'm curious to know, when were you first exposed to computers? How did you use them? And how did that shape your journey in this industry? Yeah, uh, we, my parents got me a computer, got us a computer, uh, you know, very early, uh, probably like, you know, early to mid 80s, uh, Commodore 128 was our first one. Um, used it to play a lot of games, uh, but also, uh, started programming, writing, you know, writing my own programs, actually mostly writing games, you know, those kinds of things. That's fantastic. And did that influence what you chose to study in school and also eventually to lead this kind of business? Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I, I majored in computer science in college and always knew that that was what I wanted to do just based on, you know, the experiences I'd had just messing around with computers as a kid. Um, and so, you know, uh, was a natural progression from computer science into being a software engineer. Um, I didn't know quite, you know, when I got out of school that I wanted to, you know, do my own business, but it, you know, after a little while I figured that out. Did you realize you had any particular skill or talent as a result of the work you were doing at that early age? Um, I, you know, uh, I think one of the things that, that I think I really liked about computers, um, and, and I found out later when I got to college, computer science is essentially math. Um, I was much better at English than I was at math. My mm -hmm. SAT scores on verbal were much higher than my math scores. Um, I didn't realize I was signing up for four years of math classes when I <laughs> became a computer <laughs> science major. Uh, but I really liked using computers to, you know, create things, um, you know, uh, create a game, create a story, um, some kind of thing like that. And I think that um, was just something that naturally I think I, I, I kind of, uh, exercised and you know was helped me later on okay what have you got Andrew so uh, you talked about mom speech pathology father business owner management consultant what character traits do you take from from mom and then from dad yeah uh, my, my mother is um, I think very uh, patient and persevering um, you know she uh, uh, she also I think um, 
set pretty high expectations and you know pushed me, uh, which I think was in, you know in a good way. Uh, yeah, I, I think as the as the oldest, I was uh, I, I had a lot of uh, uh, you know expectations and things like that. But um, I think it, I think it worked uh, worked well to kind of push me in the right direction. Um, I think for my father, uh, you know, the stuff I mentioned before about you know his the kind of dedication that he had uh, for the business and then also um, also the dedication to the family. Patience, perseverance, work ethic. I, it sounds like a real blend of mom and dad. Is that fair? Yeah, I think uh, I, I, I'm, su- I'm surprised now to look back and realize that from a career perspective, I'm very similar to my father. In fact, uh, we, you know, we both started and run our own businesses. Um, but personality-wise, I'm, I'm very, very similar to my mother. Mm. Kate, what are you thinking? Well, I'm fascinated by your being able at such a young age to get these new tools, technology and computers were not in everybody's home when your parents were growing up. Uh, And you not only enjoyed playing with it, but you were already programming. You were creating something new from it. Uh, Clearly, you're kind of a a puzzle fan. You're a puzzler and a a problem solver. Um, How did you get enough of that skill and that problem solving that you were trusted to take on correcting the problems with the ACA website launch. Uh, yeah, so I mean, I think for that I was really in the right place at the right time. Uh, prior to the launch of healthcare.gov, I had done a, a six-month fellowship uh, with the White House called the Presidential Innovation Fellowship Program, uh, where they uh, were looking for people to come from outside of government into government to take on you know big. Uh, challenging problems. Um, and so I'd worked very closely with folks in the White House, uh, in particular the United States uh, Chief Technology Officer, uh, and, uh, you know, gotten to know people so that when the website didn't make it off the launch pad, uh, we, I, you know, was, was right there and was able to say, hey, let's, let's go fix this thing. So that was a competitive and prestigious thing to have even gotten into that fellowship program. Uh, yeah, I think I'm, I well it was it was a brand new program. I, I, I don't know how popular it was at the time, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was uh, I, I felt really uh, really lucky to, to get that opportunity. Now that gave you experience of working with and seeing how government worked, um, but that wasn't the only kinds of job experiences you'd had. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the, the thing that really for me was transformative about that fellowship was, um, I came into it kind of thinking that the White House had the ideas about what it was that they wanted me to do, and they were going to tell me what to do, and I would just do it. Um, when I got there, I realized that they were really looking to me to come up with something and, you know, basically, like, you know, come up with an idea and actually make it happen. Um, that was really empowering. It was not something that I'd really experienced before in my career uh, and, uh, you know, really gave me, I think, uh, the confidence in myself to go out and do something that, you know, might otherwise look really uh, daunting or uh, uh, foolhardy. So it kind of prepared you for eventually starting your own business. Was that something you'd had in mind? Yeah, I think I think I'd, uh, I, I, I had started a business much earlier in my career. Um, it, uh, it, you know, didn't go as I had planned, but I think it got me, you know, uh, got me out of working for other people and working for myself. Um, I always knew I wanted to f- to start another business, um, but I think it was really about finding the right. Um, for me, it's a very it's a very personal thing about like what things you are passionate about and what things you can bring to you know the the marketplace that are really compelling and add value. What do you mean? 
Uh, I, just for me, the, the company is really, I think, uh, an expression of some experiences that I had over the course of my career. Um, I worked in government very early on in my career and had a bad experience and just thought, you know, from a, I was a software developer, um, it didn't seem like a good environment. Um, later in my career, I had a very good experience and I wanted to see how I could, you know, have that experience taken to the next level. Um, and so, uh, you know, for me, this it, it, I had a real, you know, I think um, vision for what it was that I wanted to see. And I felt like that was something that I could really, you know, get behind and, and um, you know, make happen, hmm. value add. Well, what's the parallels between uh, being married for 21 years and raising three kids and running your own business? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I think that, um, you know, it, it certainly uh, has taught me how to deal with lots of different things and how to, you know, how to um, uh, maybe uh, perform under pressure. Um, you know, and when you have a lot of different things going on and competing um, priorities, you know, just making sure that you, 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 uh, you know, you, you kind of take a step back and, and focus on the important things, but, uh, but, you know, make sure stuff gets done. Hey, Greg, what's the website address? Uh, the website is adhoc.team. We've been speaking with uh, Greg Gershman, co-founder and CEO at Adhoc. Uh, don't forget to visit our website, Executive Leaders Radio, to learn a little more about our executive leaders. And we'll be back in a moment right after this business spotlight. I'm Tina Leone. I'm the CEO of the Boston Business Improvement District. Uh, and what is the Boston Business Improvement District? We work to attract, support, and connect the most compelling, creative, and ambitious minds in our region. Boston is known as an epicenter for research and discovery. Uh, some of the greatest things that are invented, such as the MRI, the barcode, the internet, the first satellite, all were either conceived, funded, or developed by organizations here in Boston. How, how old is this organization? We're just, just shy of six years old. How long have you been there? How long have you been uh, there? Almost six years as well. Did you found this organization? Yes, I, I am the founding CEO. Why did you do that? Well, the, the, the organization actually came about uh, by the commercial property owners in why, Boston. Why, why, why does it turn you on? Why does your gig turn you on? <laughs> people. I mean, we the, the, the ability to connect people, and then who knows the the next great idea is going to result from that. We have incredible minds in the Washington, D.C. area, and Boston is, as I said, the epicenter for the smartest people in this area. So your job, you're like the master connector. I feel like the mayor of, of Boston, the mayor of innovation, because that's uh -huh. what's happening. So your, idea, your, your thought is in order to create more stuff, in order to launch more businesses, in order to cause more good, it's a matter of connecting exactly. the right people. Exactly. And you like being in the middle of all that uh, stuff. Oh, we love it. We love it. And simple things, just connecting people through events, through art, uh, through a happy hour. Mm -hmm. You don't know what's going to come out of that. Mm -hmm. That's what's exciting. So it's all about the people. And you're the uh, you're the founder of this organization. Is this a nine-to-five kind of job oh, for you? Oh, hell no. It's a lot longer uh -huh. than that, baby. So do you have to, you have to work the weekends and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, sure, sure. Let me have the website address of this sure, organization. Sure, it's bostonbid.com, and, and you can download the Boston Connect mobile app. Let me have, uh, let me have that website address one more Boston time. Bid Com. It's B-A, give me the spelling on that. B-A-L-L-S-T-O-N-B-I-D.com. Excellent. And your name again is? Tina Leone. And the name of the organization? Is the Balsam Business Improvement District. And this has been your business spotlight back in a moment. I'm Tina Leone. I'm the CEO of the Balsam Business Improvement District. And what is the Balsam Business Improvement District? We work to attract, support, and connect the most compelling, creative, and ambitious minds in our region. It is known as an epicenter for research and discovery. Uh, some of the greatest things that are invented, such as the MRI, the barcode, the internet, 
the first satellite, all were either conceived, funded, or developed by organizations here in Boston. How, how old is this organization? We're just, just shy of six years old. How long have you been there? How long have you been uh, there? Almost six years as well. Did you found this organization? Yes, I, I am the founding CEO. Why did you do that? Well, they, they, the organization actually came about uh, by the commercial property owners in why, Boston. Why, why, why does it turn you on? Why does your gig turn you on? <laughs> people. I mean, we the, the, the ability to connect people and then who knows the next great idea is going to result from that. We have incredible minds in the Washington, D.C. area, and Boston is, as I said, the epicenter for the smartest people in this area. So your job, you're like the master connector. I feel like the mayor of, of Boston, the mayor of innovation, because that's uh -huh. what's happening. So your, idea, your, your thought is that in order to create more stuff, in order to launch more businesses, in order to cause more good, it's a matter of connecting exactly. the right people. Exactly. And you like being in the middle of all that I, stuff. Oh, we love it. We love it. And simple things, just connecting people through events, through art, uh, through a happy hour. Mm -hmm. You don't know what's going to come out of that. Mm -hmm. That's what's exciting. So it's all about the people. And you're the uh, you're the founder of this organization. Is this a nine-to-five kind of job oh, for you? Oh, hell no. It's a lot longer uh -huh. than that, baby. So do you have, to, you have to work the weekends and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, sure, sure. Let me have the website address of this sure, organization. Sure, BostonBid.com, and, and you can download Boston Connect mobile app. Let me have, uh, let me have that website address one more Boston time. BostonBid.com. Com. It's B-A, give me the spelling on that. B-A-L-L-S-T-O-N-B-I-D.com. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Your name again is? Tina Leone. And the name of the organization? Is the Boston Business Improvement District. And this has been your business spotlight back in a moment. Want help building your business with help from the show's CEOs? Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money. All the big issues because our CEOs have been there and done that. Succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. The same CEOs you've heard on the show for 10 years may be willing to help you build your business, uncover new opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues because our CEOs have been there and done that. Succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. Some of the CEOs who have appeared on our shows over the last 10 years may be willing to help you grow, assuming you've ser you're serious about your success, serious about your own success, because it all starts with the leader. If you're serious about creating your own successful business or truly committed to putting your nose to the grindstone and doing whatever it takes to make your business successful, we may be able to match you with successful CEOs who have created millions of jobs and earned millions of dollars to help you create your success. We've established unique relationships with a unique universe of over 7,000 CEOs who have created substantial wealth for their companies, their teams, and themselves. These women and men get the build in their blood and often continue to start and build businesses even after they've created substantial wealth for themselves because they love the challenge of building a business. Perhaps we can present you and your business to some of these CEOs to gain their interest in helping you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com to hopefully match you with some of the CEOs we've had on the show for the last 10 years. Mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. We're back, and um, we've got our next guests as Max and Carla Brand, president and CEO, and... Uh, Carla is Executive Vice President at Capital Brand Group. Max, what's the Capital Brand Group? So we service uh, federal and commercial clients. Uh, really our work's around buildings. We do construction, uh, maintain buildings, 
engineering, and we also always have an eye for energy and sustainability. And how big or small is this company? Uh, so we have 29 people, and this year we're on track to just do over $8 million. Um, and we were featured on the Inc. 5000 list as number 145. Mm-hmm. And you've always been involved in this kind of work? Uh, yeah, since graduating college, I've uh, always been in construction, engineering, a um, little bit of manufacturing as well. So, uh, But you didn't start here, did you? No, I was uh, born in Argentina, and we left Argentina when I was four uh, due to hyperinflation and moved to the Dominican Republic. We is who? Uh, my mom and dad. So you're an only child? Yeah, only child. Okay, five years old, you left Argentina and went to the where? Dominican Republic? Yeah, Dominican Republic. That must have been an easy up upheaval for you. Fortunately, they spoke Spanish there as well, so uh, that, that helped me out. Um, but yeah, it, it, there's, you know, I was uprooted, had to make new friends when I got there, and Okay, and uh, you started this business on your own, or did you have a partner in this? Uh, I started it with my wife, who uh, you know really pushed me along to uh, start the business. Uh, well, what do you mean push you along, Carla? You can ask answer that question. Were you pushing him along to do this? Well, um, I saw an opportunity. We both had a corporate job at the time, and um, he was doing some side work. And uh, these people were just coming to him, kept asking him to do more work on the side. And I said, you know, I think this is an opportunity. You can do, uh, you can start something on your own and make more of it. And so you really were pushing him. Yeah. Okay. I said, quit your job. Let's, <laughs> let's do this now. <laughs> and, and you thought this was a good idea to be in partnership? N- yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, we, we worked well together. I mean, um, and... She has, you know, strengths that I don't have, so it was a good partnership. Okay, we'll get into that more. And and Carla, you're not from here either. You grew up where? So I was born in Bolivia. Um, my mother had me when she was very young, at 19 years old, and um, she came to the U.S. and I stayed and uh, grew up with my grandparents. And then at the age of three, uh, they asked me if I wanted to move to the U.S. Three and years I said, old, you got to ask this question. Yeah. <laughs> And um, I said, sure, why not? And so I moved in with my mom, who I thought was my sister at the time, and found out she was my mom. But she uh, got married here, and um, I gained a sister. Hmm. Rachel, what are you thinking? It sounds like you both had international backgrounds growing up, growing up in um, Argentina, Dominican Republic, Bolivia. How has that shaped who you are and how you do business today? So I was very thankful to move to the U.S., um, uh, unlike... In, in Argentina, if you work hard, you go to a good school, it doesn't guarantee you that you're going to be successful. Um, but here in the U.S., you know, hard work, good work ethic, uh, you, you can really rise. You can become who you want to become. Hmm. That's great. And go ahead, Rachel. How about you, Carla? Did that influence who you are today and how I you see business in the United States? Yeah, I think so. I think just um, the mere act of just living in a new place, new different people, new family almost, um, it kind of gave me the courage to be a risk taker. I seek uh, adventure, thrills. I'm never afraid to try new things. Um, you know, that's how you grow and uh, learn and succeed is by trying new things and getting out of your comfort zone. Hmm. Kate, what are you thinking? I'm wondering, is that what made you entrepreneurial since you were pushing for the business? Were you always interested in having your own business? Uh, for me personally, yeah. Um, to me, a nine-to-five desk job is a little boring. Um, I like a lot of dynamic and change. And, um, you know, we were young, didn't have kids at the time. And, you know, I said, what do we have to lose? Uh, let's do it now or never. Let's just go for it. 
So what made you think you could make it work as partners in a business? Had you ever done anything like that before? No, um, I mean, I, I also sold candy when I was little too. I think that's a common uh, thing here, you know, to give you that background. But um, I just think uh, I, I was never afraid of failure. And, um, you know, the worst thing is you just go back to a corporate job and do what you were doing. Um, we didn't have kids at the time or anything. So it just seemed like it was the right risk to take at the time. Mm, you satisfied with that answer, Kate? Well, I'm curious about Max's first entrepreneurial experiences as well. So uh, growing up, you know, my parents didn't have a lot. So I, I quickly realized that I could sell candy, um, you know, around the neighborhood, make money. I also had free car washes where you know, I always got a donation out of it. Um, but in middle school, I started selling airheads. And I saved up every single penny that I made during the school year. And um, I was able to buy a plane ticket to Germany and spend two months with my cousins uh, in Germany. And that, that, that was a great experience. And you know, it taught me, you know, you work hard, you save, you can accomplish your goals. You also had another job at a pretty well-known establishment. Uh, can you talk about that experience? Yeah, so my, my first, uh, I guess, corporate job was with Chick-fil-A when I was 15. And at, at 16, I was promoted to manager. And, um, you know, that's where I really saw that I had, you know, good leadership skills and, and, and people trusted me, you know, the owner of the company, trusted me to close down the store, count down the registers. It was a big responsibility at 16. What else did you learn while you were there about, about business? I think if you walk into any Chick-fil-A, uh, customer service is number one, and they really ingrained that into us, that um, you got to take care of the customers, you got to be polite. And, and I learned that it, it's important in any business. You always got to take care of the clients. You got to um, you know, grit your teeth and just say, yes, we'll take care of that, even though they might be wrong. You know, they're, they're always right. There was also this theme in the green room of, of trust um, and building trust. Um, you're, you're the owner of that Chick-fil-A, obviously, trusted you at an extremely young age. Very impressive to be a manager at 16. You, you guys didn't start your business uh, where you came from. You started it where initially? Was it in Fl South Florida, or is that where you gave up the jobs that you had to come here? So, in uh, yeah, we left South Florida. Um, you know, when, when the crisis hit in 2008, I, I had a 33% reduction in pay right after getting a brand new mortgage, um, which was, wasn't fun, but uh, I started getting side projects going, and then we had an opportunity to come up to D.C. and, and move up here, and that's where we started the Did you the know business. anybody when you came here? Uh, one of my friends from South Florida actually moved up here, uh, got a job with the company, and then he, he landed me a job there. And, that, and that's where I started to learn, you know, about how the federal government does business and what kind of services they're looking for. So you had to learn a whole lot of stuff about in a whole different environment you've never been exposed to before. Yeah, we were, I mean, we were newcomers. We didn't know anybody. We just, you know, to start a business and not know anybody, you know, it was definitely a challenge. But um, we just got out there, put our name out there, our company out there, and just hustled and, um, you know, slowly but surely just, you know, started winning new clients and getting referrals that way. You spoke in the green room about how your parents are always working hard to build a better life. Uh, how did you learn from that and what did that influence you today and how you you do your work? So my, my parents, uh, you know, they, 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 they took big risks. I mean, we left Argentina where, where they grew up, where their families grew up. Uh, they went to Dominican Republic to try to start a taxi company. Um, you know, unfortunately, it didn't go well, and then we moved to the U.S. But I, I you know, I, I learned from that that if, if you if you keep working hard and maybe you put yourself in a little bit of an uncomfortable situation, um, that there there could be growth there. So it sounds like you both were natural risk takers from the experiences you had growing up. 
Yeah, and I think that's what drew us to get to each other because we're both just like adventure seekers, risk takers, and it just kind of makes our marriage and business work. Where, where most people would say that don't ever mix the two. So <laughs> what is it about the two of you that makes that work, though? I mean, it can't be just the risk-taking. So, I, um, you know, I'm, I'm able to deliver, uh, you know, whatever services that we're providing and also figure them out uh you know, quickly if we're, we're providing a new service and keep the client happy where, uh, you know, Carla really helps in, uh, you know, bringing clients to us and making those connections and, and networking um, and just keeping, uh, you know, tabs of the operations of the business. And how do you keep things separate? Or don't you? Um, as, as we discussed earlier, um, we enjoy what we do. So work isn't really like work to us. It's even part of the conversation at home. And it's kind of, and it's nice because we're both involved in it. So we're both passionate about it. So it's not really like that work life balance. It's just kind of a mix. And, um, you know, we really enjoy what we do. So it's worked for us. It, it, it's all blended together for <laughs> us at our house. Mm. What makes an only child special? Max? Um, I, I think being an only child and, and, and moving a lot, I mean, uh, obviously I didn't have a brother or sister I, I could rely on. So I was always, uh, you know, made friends very easily. I was very adaptable. Um, and, you know, I, I think that trustworthiness, you know, I, I was able to make friends and, and keep them. And then also, uh, you know, I was able to figure things out on my own, uh, you know, playing with toys and things like that, which I think helped with business. Okay. Carla, what's the website address? Capitalbrandgroup.com. Uh, we've been speaking with Max and Carla Brand, uh, President and CEO and Executive Vice President at the Capital Brand Group. Uh, we've had a great lineup of guests today. We've had uh, Brent Leitner, founder and CEO of Teoti. We had Nick Freshman, founder and managing member at Mother Sauce Partners. We had Greg Gershman, co-founder and CEO at Ad Hoc, and Max and Carla Brand, President and CEO and Executive Vice President at the Capital Brand Group. I'd like to thank my co-hosts, uh, Andrew Howard at Howard Insurance, Kate Perrin at Professional Solutions, and Rachel Everett at Verdarity for helping develop our storyline, hopefully delivering to our listening audience an entertaining and educational show. And I'd like to thank our listening audience for listening. Otherwise, we wouldn't have a radio show. Don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com, to learn more about our executive leaders. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to Executive Leaders Radio, the region's premier radio show highlighting local executive leaders. We hope you've enjoyed the show here on 1500 AM. You can learn more about Executive Leaders Radio by visiting executiveleadersradio.com or tune in next time right here on 1500 AM. That's executiveleadersradio.com.